Welcome back to Bears on Tap, a Chicago Bears podcast. I'm your host, Lucas Perfetti. You can go ahead and follow us on Twitter, at Bears on Tap. All of our articles, ton of off-season content, really stuff you're going to want to see, you're going to need to see about the Chicago Bears is all going to be filtered through our Twitter account, so go ahead and give us a follow. This episode is going to include the Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy postseason presser. I have a nice roundtable discussion with three of our ONTAP insiders, Ethan, Aaron, and Brandon. Really nice dynamic we got going here. A couple of us are a little bit more matter-of-fact. A couple of us get a little bit more emotionally involved, so I think you're going to really enjoy it. Um, but to start this off, I just want to go ahead and say congratulations to Eddie Jackson, who my man Brandon and Ethan would say they backed the Brinks truck up to his house. Him and the Chicago Bears have agreed on a four-year extension worth $58.4 million per his agent's sports trust. He gets $33 million total guaranteed, $22 million fully guaranteed, and $14.6 million yearly average, making him the highest paid man at the position. Show me the money. <laughs> Well-deserved. I know there was some conflict on whether or not he was as productive as last season and I actually just saw a stat that he was the best graded coverage safety in the league this year the man's worth every single penny congratulations Eddie go ahead have a couple drinks because you got the money to that's for damn sure but now let me get you started off with a quick ad read and then we're gonna roll right into this interview guys Thrive Fantasy is a new cool and tough DFS app for prop bets They have streamlined the drafting process and eliminated the need to do unnecessary hours of research by using only top-tier athletes. Instead of the traditional salary cap format, you build your lineup around a list of prop bets. For each contest, you need to choose 10 of 20 prop bets plus two ICE picks that protect you from any late scratches or postponed games, which to me, that's by far the best feature of this app. Each unique prop bet has an over-under point value assigned to it, and you will be rewarded that point value if the prop is correct. For example, will Tom Brady throw for over-under 250 yards? The less likely the prop is to occur, the more points the choice will be worth, and you build your team score around the amount of correct props you selected. Use the promo code ONTAP, no spaces, and once you deposit your first $10, Thrive's going to go ahead and throw you an additional 10 so grab a beer and hashtag crack them and enjoy a more convenient way to play DFS. Here we go, Big D! Huh? So, gentlemen, thank you for joining me, obviously. Uh, we're going to be talking about the postseason presser. Um, there's some important things that came out. Obviously, a lot of people are upset about it, so I'm just going to start us off with a comment from Ryan Pace. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Here today, disappointed in our season. You know, obviously, we expect more from ourselves, from our team. We didn't hit the goals we set out to achieve. The next four to five months are about hard decisions. Honestly, decisions that require real, honest assessment of our roster and our entire football operations. It's about identifying problems, getting clarity on the issues, and doing whatever it takes to solve them. I think every season takes on a new storyline. This season was about regression inconsistencies in way too many areas. We have to learn from our failures, see it as an opportunity to improve. We believe we have the right foundation, the right pieces in place, but we have to make the right decisions going forward. 
extreme confidence in our head coach and the leader of our team and Matt Nagy. And together, we'll work hard on solutions for the Chicago Bears. So with that, I'll be happy to take any questions. And you've had, uh, you've had three years with Mitch. You've got over 40 starts now. Do you have enough to go on to feel confident that he's going to be your unquestioned number one going into next season? Yes, we do, Jeff. And I, and I think with Mitch, you know, as we go through it, and we, and we need more time in the coming months to evaluate everything, but the first thing that comes to mind for me is just consistency. So you see, you see moments. You see games. Um, but for him, stringing together better consistency. So you have the peaks and valleys. We just need to flatten that out. So, Ryan, the plan is for him to be your starter? Yes. Ryan, obviously there are a lot of moving parts of the offense, but exclusively with Mitch. Why do you believe the inconsistency is so prevalent? I don't, and I, it, when we go through this, I don't think it's one person's fault, Dan, as we go through this whole thing. Sure, obviously. There's a lot of factors in play, uh, you know, we can talk about. Um, but, but I think with, with this, you know, especially with the young quarterback, in a lot of cases, it's never going to be a straight line. It's never going to be linear. There's going to be ups and downs. And you see moments this year. You see games. Uh, you see him respond to adverse situations within a game. Those are signs of positive improvement. We just need to smooth out those inconsistencies. Why have the inconsistencies been there? I think it's just growth as a young quarterback. You know, I think there's things happening around him. It's not just him. And, and he knows he needs to get better in those areas. I think, you know, hopefully we knew his experience coming out of college, switching schemes after year one, all those things, if there's just a growth process that we're about to take place. Right. What if, he, what, if he, what if he doesn't improve next year? What would be the plan alongside him or behind him this, this offseason? As we look at that room, we know that room's important. And really, two of the three quarterbacks in the room are free agents, if you look at it with Chase and Tyler, both being out of contract. So that's something we'll look at this offseason. We always try to increase competition everywhere, especially in the backup roles, and something we'll look at. All right, gentlemen. So, obviously, a lot of this was discussed about Mitchell Trubisky, the fact that he was announced a starter. Everyone kind of went up in arms on Twitter. Um, but one thing that I definitely wanted to just address is the fact that People were saying that Ryan Pace kind of made it seem like he did no wrong. And obviously, I think just in the intro of that, he really did express like his dissatisfaction with the job that was done this year, the inconsistencies and all those things. So, Aaron, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with your initial reaction? What bothers me is when they say, um, you know, when he goes, well, we got to evaluate and, you know, break down everything that's going on. And you kind of shot yourself in the foot and you kind of lied you're saying you're going to evaluate everything and, and go back to everything. But then what was it an hour or two later, you know, they go and fire, you know, uh, Harry, he said, and you know, Mark Helfridge and you know, the other two coaches. And it's like, well, wait a second. You, what evaluating did you do? It, it's been, you know, a couple of days and you know, you, you went and I honestly, the way I look at it is they were scapegoats and that's my honest opinion. Um, I don't think that Helfridge or, I mean, maybe Harry is a little past his prime. I don't know. He's always been a solid offensive line coach. Um, but Helfridge really never got his say so. And I think Matt Nagy now has brought in a guy, um, you know, that maybe might fit his style more. But I think those were scapegoats. And it kind of upsets me that you say one thing and then you go and you fire these guys a few hours later after not even going and evaluating uh, what is in front of you. And then the whole thing with Mitch is, I think that's a smokescreen, to be honest. I think that, yes, he's quote unquote, the starter for 2020, but there's no way that this team walks into 2020 without a capable backup behind him. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with what you're saying. Um, you're talking about how they were up at the podium and, essentially they said like, yeah, we need to evaluate the coaches and we don't know if there's going to be any firings type thing. And then an hour later they go and release a few guys, the tight ends coach, um, Kevin Gilbright, I believe is his name. And then you yes. got, um, Helfrich and he stand going. Um, and I agree. He, I don't think Helfrich really had much say in the offense in general, but he was there to develop the whole run pass option thing. Long story short, um, those guys, in my opinion, especially Helfrich, was a scapegoat. I don't know about Heastan. I'm not really sure what the deal is with that because a lot of people were thrown off by it. But I think they didn't want to do it via presser. I think that they just they knew what moves they were going to make, but they didn't want to do it and give it to the media before they released it themselves. That would be my honest assumption. But I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, but, Brandon, why don't we go ahead and get your initial reaction? 
So, yeah, I actually tuned into the press conference while it was happening. And again, I wrote a piece on it right away. That's where I was at. I was extremely pissed off. I mean, first and foremost, um, Ryan Pace is a smooth criminal. He's good with his words. He has the ability, you know, he, he basically, like you said, Aaron kind of tiptoed around placing any sort of blame on himself for the way this season turned out. And I think the absolute, you know, last and worst thing to do is to name Mitch the starter. I mean, this is a job that was literally handed to him based upon a poor assessment by Ryan Pace of Mike Glennon, handed him the bag, back the Brinks truck up to his house, and then went out and drafted Mitch number two. So it's like, and two, I mean, we're all of the same mindset with this as well, where it's like we know where... Ryan Pace drafted Mitch. So he's going to live and die by Mitch. He's not making it out of Chicago, you know, at the end of the day, if Mitch isn't successful and he'll, like I said, he'll live and die by Mitch. Uh, My thing is, you know, agreeing with Aaron as well as, is, you know, what real assessments did you make in that, you know, short period of time and, you know, Helfrich not really calling the plays, you know, we've touched on it here the last few weeks, uh, Lucas, where it's like, He's not calling the plays. So what, you know, what really is his role at Hallis Hall? What truly does he do besides hold the clipboard for Matt Nagy? I think he'll bounce back up on his feet. And like I said last week, I think it'll be in the college ranks. Um, but, you know, looking at this offseason in, you know, in a spectrum, I believe that, yes, we still do have a quality team. Obviously, when you go eight and eight, you got to make some changes. It still remains to be seen where those changes are made. Um, but Kyle Fuller freed up a little bit of money. So maybe we'll, we'll, uh, make a splash signing with some of that bag that he freed up. Yeah, they did convert a little bit of cash with Kyle Fuller. And I think it's going to be directed at getting like a, an elite style interior offensive lineman. I know, I don't think Khalil Max next to uh, take the pay cut. I don't, uh, let's be real here. He ain't taking no pay cut. He'll sit (laughs) out like he did in Oakland. Um, but I do believe that realistically, Fuller did free up a little bit of space and I, I am floating out there, Brandon Sheriff. I don't think Washington's going to let him go anywhere, but I think if they were to throw some money on an offensive lineman, that would be a great option. Um, but realistically, I get what you're saying. And uh, I just want to get Ethan's opinion before I, we start touching on Juan Castillo and all that good stuff. Well, I have to agree with you. I think the, the Helfrich and uh, Houston firing was done pre uh, press conference. I think that like you said, that decision was done uh, way in advance. And, and I don't think that this season was the, uh, I, I mean, eight and eight, I feel like that's not like the right move to, to fire two guys right before the press conference, six and 10, you know, four and 12, maybe, but, um, you know, I don't, I think that that was a clear cut decision. Um, as far as Mitch goes, uh, Lucas, I haven't been on with you, but I'm quite the, uh, the Trubisky guy, Aaron and Brandon both know. Um, I think that the, the starting role obviously wasn't a surprise to anybody. Uh, but I do think and expect the Bears to bring in someone to compete with Mitch next season. Yeah, absolutely, Ethan. And I I could already tell this is the first time that we're doing this together, but I could already tell I'm going to like you because I feel like you're giving me a lot less of your emotions, which I appreciate both of you guys for giving me your emotions. But realistically, like I said, I do think that this move was made and they already kind of knew what was going on when they hired Harry. He like he wasn't obviously Nagy hired him, but he wasn't necessarily a Nagy guy. And when you're trying to assemble an entire staff, it's not easy to put all that together. So why not go get a guy that has history with the Chicago bears? That's a well-renowned offensive line coach, even though his style of run blocking doesn't fit what Matt Nagy likes to do. He, you know, he had to teach Harry, he Mark Helfrich, all these guys, the offense as they came in. Now that he goes and gets Juan Castillo, who was a running backs coach and uh, essentially like designed, designed running. Um, let me go ahead and get the facts for you before I just start making shit up. But um, he's a running, he was the running game coordinator. Wasn't he with, with Nagy around and stuff like that? Well, he, so he did some work on defense. He was a defensive coordinator in Philadelphia and he got fired. But before that, I mean, he was a offensive line coach. He was a tight ends coach with the Baltimore Ravens and the Buffalo bills is when he was like essentially the running game consultant, or he helped construct that running game. And I think realistically, when we're talking about offensive coordinators, I don't think they're going to bring someone on. It's a possibility, a guy like Shermer or um, the 
quarterback coach in Kansas City remind me of his name? Is it Kafka? Yeah, Mike Kafka. Exactly. I don't. I think if Kafka's available, then it's possible they bring him in as an offensive coordinator. But I think realistically, they might just give someone that title in house because realistically, That's, Matt Nagy is the offensive coordinator. I have. I've. If you read the article uh, here, Lucas, I have a name that I truly believe that will just be appointed the OC, and it's very simple to me. Um, I don't know because I feel like there's two people realistically that could be named it, but I ultimately think that they'll probably go with the, the second of the names I would mention. I just want it to be Mike Fury, the wide receiver coach, but I think he has a little bit more of a fire to him where he wouldn't be more quote unquote, like I like to call him as the yes man. I think it ends up being uh, the quarterback coach uh, Ragone, uh, just due to the fact that, you know, probably a, a naggy guy in a sense and just takes the role and just lets naggy run with it. Um, the only other thing I really wanted to say really quick, Lucas is with the, you know, um, Gilbright being, you know, let go or fired, whatever you want to call it. It's very upsetting that you let go of a tight end coach that really didn't do anything wrong. You're talking about the guy had fourth and fifth string tight ends at the end of the season. And he still was doing okay with them. Um, but then it all goes in hand with the scapegoat situation. But that's the only other thing I wanted to say on it. I do actually have news for my guy, Lucas Cole Komet declared for the draft. So I fully expect the bears to interview him and go after him. He's the sixth ranked tight end going into this draft. Well, we all know that would make Brandon extremely happy to see someone go from Notre Dame to the Chicago bears. That's, I hope that it, I'm going to send the tape to you, bro. You'll see it. And, and he, I will, he will fit right into our offense. Ethan, back me up on this. They I'm won't, they won't be drafted. This is jumping the gun, but they ain't drafting one because they're going to sign one because somebody just said peace to their team. Yeah, I mean, well, go ahead and speculate a little bit further now. Oh, Eric Ebron. See, my uh, thing my thing was Eric, with Eric Ebron is, and I totally understand, and you could probably structure a deal to make him fit within the salary cap, but right now... Trey Burton has as many starts as Eric Ebron, if I'm not mistaken, in the past two years. So the guy also has some injury problems. The last thing I would want to do is shell out dough for a guy like Eric Ebron or Hunter Henry and fucking have them become injured with Trey Burton. And then we got a ton of money that's not being utilized. Um, and that's one thing that Ryan Pace definitely touched on. He he talked about, you know, a lot of people got upset about the whole Adam Shaheen is a very talented player. He just hasn't been available, but he also did go ahead and say like availability is everything and they will be adding yeah, competition but, to that room. Yeah. But availability is everything, but you want to sit there and say he's a talented player. I that's, you know, that's like saying why well, we took Kevin white, you know, a couple of years ago and he's a very talented player, which technically he wasn't, he was raw. It was, you know, and then you get all the injuries at that. I understand. And I do agree with you, Lucas, with the whole Ebron thing. It's just, I think he's a talented player and I think he would want to be here. I just think that, yeah, it totally depends on the health of him. And uh, it's tough to bring in another player that could be hurt just as much as Trey Burton is unless they find something else to do with Trey Burton. Yeah, absolutely. And while we're touching on that now, we'll just talk about some of the injuries. Um, Trey Burton did get a hip surgery. They're thinking that's the underlying cause for the groin something to do with his hip. And they're, they're hoping that that's what fixes it. Roquan Smith has a, uh, his pectoral already put back together and they're hoping he's going to be ready for training camp. And then Anthony Miller, I tweeted about this when it was happening and I was so fucking pissed. Cause if you've got a guy that's injury prone has weak shoulders essentially, and you're going to have him return kicks and the last game, that doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like I, that really bothered me a lot that Nagy decided to put him in of all people. Why not use three Cohen? Why not throw any random fucking safety back there? You know what I mean? It just, it didn't make any sense to me. So he's going to have to have surgery on his same left shoulder. And then they didn't rule out the possibility of Mitch Trubisky getting surgery on his shoulder either. Oh, you know, what's going to happen, Lucas, he's going to get surgery. And nobody's going to say anything. It's going to be, I was going to say, yeah, it's going to be like the, uh, they're going to do it at the witching hour straight at midnight when no one, you know, no press, nobody can get in there. And maybe, I mean, maybe it'll repair his shoulder, but you know, my thing is with Mitch, like, you know, like you both have stated and like, you know, pace stated in the press conference, we've seen lights. It's the consistency that's not there. And I think part of that consistency uh, is keeping, you know, keeping the same kind of, 
you know, the players that we have now, you know, obviously they're going to bring some new players in, but the coaches as well. So I think, you know, you obviously see over the years, we've been shuffling coordinators, shuffling coaches, stuff like that. And that's just not the staple for a winning organization. And like you said, too, I mean, these guys are essentially yes men. I want to touch on something here because I feel like there's a lot of negativity and understandable because we did regress, but there's still a lot of talent on this team. Eight and eight, obviously, you know, a lot of bad losses in the season. Um, I think there's two things that Mitch needs to do this offseason. It's work on the, uh, the footwork and being able to read a defense better. He's able to do those things. I think the, the one thing. Wait, well, hold on, Ethan. Did you just say he could read a defense? I said he needs to learn to read a defense. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> going, in, going into year four. Got it. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I don't know if you guys four years, four jerseys. Hold up now, gentlemen, before we get off track. Now, I don't <laughs> know if you guys heard the recording that I sent to you through our Slack conversation, but I mean, it's evident even guys with fucking four years of college experience, three years of college experience, they come out and they have difficulty reading defenses. Um, realistically, the thing about Mitchell Trubisky is he's not, he doesn't do it often. It's few and far between, but you're able to see it, especially when they play teams in man coverage or with a lot less disguised looks, he's extremely decisive when he knows what the fuck's going on. It just doesn't seem like he knows what's going on all the time. You know what? I, I agree with you, Lucas. I just think that when it comes to Mitch and this is just really quick on this is I feel like he only is decisive, like 15% of the time during the whole game. And, and that's Called not two, good. Two minute drill, Mitch. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I'm not trying to knock him. He also got thrown into the limelight, you know, being under John Fox awfully quick and didn't get to learn like some of these other guys did, um, you know, and he's a great kid, but I just don't think and my opinion is great player. Um, you know, he'll, he'll be fine for somebody in a backup role in a couple of years and then learn from that. But I don't think uh, he's going to learn enough in the next six months before the next season. I do want to yeah. ask a question before we move on here. Aaron, if Trubisky comes out next year and let's say he has phenomenal year, you know, comeback player of the year, do you eat your words? Do we win a Super Bowl? I don't know. See, I feel like that's a lot to ask for. See, here's like the thing. We ain't, we ain't talking about no 4,000 no, no. yards and I don't, touchdowns. We want to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> if we win the Super Bowl, and he is the quarterback that wins the Super Bowl. Cool. I'm still not going to eat my words because at the end of the day, it is what it is. I'll ride the train now that says it. I don't care. I mean, now the downfall is you're saying you, you get this good season out of him. Guess what happens? Money. If you can see me now, that means all money. That means this team is completely down. I really don't care if they win a Super Bowl and then they do all this dumb crap afterwards. Fine. Whatever. Um, but I just, I I don't see it. Maybe he comes back, wins player of the, you know, comeback player of the year and wins MVP and crap like that. But I, I just don't see it. I'm sorry, Ethan. Um, yeah, but you could pick that contract up for the fifth year at that point. No, they, they have to, don't they have to pick it up this year? All right. This is actually a beautiful segue right now, because this is what I was going to mention um, last year in the post in the postseason presser, Ryan Pace immediately answered and said that they were going to sign Leonard Floyd's fifth year option. You are right, Aaron. It is something that they have to sign heading into the offseason. Prior to the fourth year. Yes, it has to be something prior to the fourth fourth year, exactly, going into the offseason. But I thought it was very telling that they were going to um that they didn't commit to that fifth year option right away because they committed to Leonard Floyd Leonard Floyd a year previously. And one thing that I think you're going to hate to hear Aaron, but call me fucking crazy. I think that they're going to try to work out a really low ball extension deal to give them backup, like top end backup quarterback money for four years. That's my personal thought. I know it's going to make a lot of fucking bears fans cringe, but like you said, if he's getting backup money, who cares? Cause he could be a viable backup. And if he explodes, then we get a fucking starting quarterback at backup quarterback money. That's my only thought going into it. It also could be a clear tell that they don't have faith in him. And there's going to be an extreme quarterback competition, but a lot of Ryan Pace's moves that he makes, like Brandon was saying earlier in the podcast, like he, Ryan Pace makes moves like Mike Lennon to disguise the fact that he's trying to do something else. We all knew Mike Lennon was not the quarterback of the future. They threw that money at him because he was going to be the highest paid backup by Tampa Bay after them getting Jameis Winston and all that good stuff. But realistically, 
they did that because they were going to move up and draft Deshaun Watt, or I'm sorry, they're going to move up and draft Mitchell Trubisky. The thing that bothers me a lot about uh, that move up. Ouch. <laughs> I was going to say, Lucas, I almost got excited like we hopped in a time machine. No, 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 no. Cause I, cause I'm thinking about Deshaun Watson now, because realistically, if everyone is so upset about the picks that he gave up, but when you really boil it down, he gave up a couple mid round picks and a seventh rounder. And he ended up trading down in that draft to get Shaheen, which I know that was the wrong move, two bad moves back to back. But if he made that trade and went up and got fucking Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes, no one would have bitched about it. It's the fact that he made the wrong pick that everyone's upset about. I don't understand if you're getting your franchise quarterback and he did go ahead and get Deshaun Watson, then everyone else would be no, no one would even blink an eye at it. You know what I mean? Right. And see, the thing is though, with, with the way they go about it, I, you know what, Lucas, if you're right, I would totally take that low ball deal. Um, it's just going to be a very tough situation. I think for them to be able to get that done. Um, I would not be surprised to hear right before that deadline. I don't remember. I think it's, I want to say it's July, I believe is the deadline for the fifth year option pickup. Um, and, and you got to look at it. They have a very, a lot of options. They, um, they could actually say that, you know what, we're not going to pick up your fifth year option, Mitch prove it. And then they have, they have, several options. You can go sign a deal and it could be big money. If he plays well, you can lowball a deal still and say, Hey, we really still want you here. We're going to give you this, or guess what they do have that we haven't seen in Chicago. As of late, you have a franchise tag and with a quarterback, any position technically, but you can franchise tag that kid for two years straight. If you really wanted to, there's lots of options. You could pick up the fifth year option, say he plays. Okay. Then he makes decent money. Then he continues to play well. And you don't really have the funds to do it. You tag him, and then you tag him again, you know, and that could keep him around for seven years, but uh, it, it's just, it's there's, there's options. And, you know, you brought it up earlier. Khalil Mack is going to probably end up doing exactly what he did previously, which is he's going to take all of his money, convert it to guaranteed, and that's going to free up. I don't remember his technical amount this year. It's probably around 18 million. No, it's um, 20, 26, my man. It's 26 this year. 26. Yeah. So he's going to take that, flip that all into guaranteed. And that's going to clear up a lot of space. Plus rumor has it is the cap goes way, way, way up this year. So that'll also help in freeing up a lot of money. That's why I'm not as a fan. I'm not overly concerned about this supposed cap hell that they're in because I do have one thing to say about Ryan Pace, and this is the one reason I don't say you go and fire this guy. It's actually just the Bears organization as a whole. They do pretty well with moving money around and getting people signed in an ample time. I I do have trust in them doing that. I'm not saying it's always the right choice, but they do do a good job at locking things up when they need to. Yeah, absolutely. And just um, now to transition, I'm going to play you something because I feel like it just kind of goes along with everything we're talking about right now. Um, Ryan Pace was asked essentially like, Hey, are you emotional about this decision? So I want you guys to hear um, this real quick. And you're invested emotionally so much in a player like Mitch, you want him to succeed so badly. Does that make it tougher to analyze him objectively? And have you talked to people outside the organization who confirm kind of objectively confirm your belief in him? Yeah, you know, obviously uh, you have a lot of peers throughout the league you talk to and you lean on, uh, not just with him, with, you know, a lot of things with our team. It's good to have outside opinions from people you respect. But I think, Mark, one of the things um, maybe as a strength of mine is to, to remove emotions and remove those feelings, and it's always just what's best for our franchise. And I think, you know, Matt and I both operate with no egos and a lot of humility, and every discussion we have is what's best for our team. So I understand what you're saying, but that never factors into my decision-making. All right, Brandon, I haven't heard from you in a second. What do you got to say about that? Uh, Yeah, this was also one of my favorite sound bites from the interview, or from the presser, and I'm glad that you played it, but... Yeah, uh, Matt Nagy has an ego bigger than my head, and I know you guys haven't seen me in person, but I got quite the melon on me. Um, seen it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty big head. But, um, yeah, I mean, my thing is, is with with Pace, at the end of the day, like you said, Aaron, you know, they're, they're good at moving money around. And, they, you know, over these last few years, they've been finding good value deals, uh, a la Buster Screen, Cordero Patterson, stuff like that. 
not going to throw Mike Davis in there, but I mean, when you play the free agent game and you play the draft game, you're never going to hit on a hundred percent of those, but you want to be in the green. You want to be probably in that 60 to 75% range hitting on those players that you're pulling, uh, whether it's in the draft or, you know, through free agency. But I, you know, emotion is something that you just cannot have tied in any sort of business. And yeah, I mean, well, it is tough coaching, um, you know, in any, in any setting, whether it's, you know, college or, you know, anything that requires you to move your family, pick up everything, move your kids, schools, all that shit across the country. All those coaches know what they're getting into when they sign up to be a coach. So, I mean, it's, it's something that they're used to. Um, this situation though, like you guys have all stated, I, I think it kind of came out of left field. I know, you know, the organization knew what they wanted to do, but I think, you know, as a coach, if you make it through that press conference and nobody gets smoked, I think you're sitting there like, you know, getting, you know, monkeys off your back. You're like, all right, we're good. Let's get to work. And then an hour and a half later, you're throwing everything, you know, in your, in your office into a box and you're out. (laughs) I think we all know that Matt Nagy has an ego, but realistically, when it comes to coaches and general managers in the NFL, they very rarely admit fault. Um, And that's why I'm going to play you one more thing very quickly, because this to me is like the closest thing you're to, you're going to ever get to someone saying like, I fucked up. So hold on one second. And I'm going to have you listen to this. I think there's a couple things there, you know, the injury to Kyle switching uh, white hair and James uh, injury to Massey late in the year. Um, We struggled in that area this year. That's real. And I think, you know, we know it starts up front with those guys. And we that's something we really got to look at. You know, from a personnel standpoint, we're going to look at it. From a schematic standpoint, we're going to look at it. Um, that, that was real this year. That hurt us. Is the plan for Cody and James to stay where they are now? We still got to evaluate that. I think when we did it, again, solution-based mindset, it was, hey, let's settle us down. I think it did help. Um, but, you know, they're both versatile. They both can play guard or center. We just got to continue to look at that. I think when you look at James, he's still one of the youngest players on our team, you know, so he's still developing. I think he got a lot better as the season went on. But as far as where we're going to put him next year, that's still going to be an evaluation. All right. So, Ethan, haven't heard from you for a quick second. What uh, what do you have to say about this? I agree with it 100 percent. I think that the problem starts with the offensive line. The snaps were, again, inconsistent this year at times. Uh, that clearly doesn't help your quarterback who is not playing well. So um, I like that, you know, the brutal honesty from Pace there and, and to admit that, you know, we're taking a look at it and, you know, that needs to be fixed because it starts, like he said, with those guys up front. Well, yeah, and absolutely. And the thing that I thought was most um, intriguing about this little clip is the fact that Ryan Pace straight up, like he doesn't say like, yeah, we fucked up, but he comes out and says like, hey, we know that we made the wrong move halfway through the season and we adjusted it, right? Like he's pretty much saying like I was wrong, but then we also fixed it. And realistically, the snap issues really only came from Cody Whitehair. Cody Whitehair is not the greatest at snapping the ball out of the shotgun. That's something that they knew going into it when they moved him to center. Like that's something that he's had to work on. And I just, the way he holds the ball really kind of pisses me off. It just doesn't seem like when centers are, are snapping the ball to in the shotgun, it's like they have their hand on the ball. Like a quarterback would have their hand on the ball. And Cody Whitehair like literally just like meat globs the tip of it and flips it back. So I think that's where a lot of the snapping issue comes from. But realistically, the reason why that the offensive line looks so much better, it's not because James Daniel is no good. It's because, Mitchell Trubisky's deficiencies at calling out blitzes and stuff like that really hurt him. So they had Cody Whitehair doing that from the center position and having kind of that, that stranglehold on it. And I don't know if they're going to move back, but realistically, like you didn't see a lot of fumbles because of the snap. That's one thing that Mitchell Trubisky did well is he, he covered up a lot of those fucking issues, but realistically, Brandon, like, what did you gather from that statement? So, yeah, my thing is, is, you know, when you have interchangeable offensive linemen, obviously you're able to, you know, experiment a little bit. Um, But one thing, and and this is something that we haven't touched on, and it's, it's the first, it's the very beginning of the play. The quarterback or the center quarterback exchange is of the utmost importance. You know, if you, you know, say you're in the shotgun, for example, and you blow that snap up you know, that ball's going to go five, 10 yards, you know, behind that quarterback's head, that could be a fumble. You, you know, if it's third down, you need to get the first down. You know, there's so many different situations that this could affect whether you're in the shotgun or, you know, you're under center, 
that is your first win of the play. You need to be able to get that one right. If you can't get that one right, then pray for whatever the hell else is about to happen on your play. But, I mean, like Ethan said, and like you guys have said, you know, the issues weren't necessarily white hair. And Daniels is young. Uh, I believe he's only, what, 23, 24 years old. It's only, it'll be going into his third season this year out of Iowa. And I think it's something that they have to keep an eye on and going into camp, again, experiment with. But by the time that first week of camp is over, you should have set in stone who's playing center and who's playing guard. It shouldn't be continuous experimentation, I would say. I think you need to get it figured out by the end of the first week of camp. Yeah, absolutely, Aaron. How are you feeling about it? So when it comes to that experiment, um, I think this is a year where you either pull the plug on quote unquote, the experiment, or you ride it full. I'm actually a little upset that they ended up switching back because I don't think that was truly the issue with the offensive line. I'm glad that Cody Whitehair. I, I really don't think that there were too many. I mean, I could be wrong. I'd have to run back a lot of the tape, but I don't feel like there are too many bad snaps, like high snaps or low snaps. I think there was a, would you say you could count them on, on both your hands or would it exceed the 10 hand, you know, the 10 finger limit on that one this year? It's under 10. It's definitely under 10. It's not, yeah, as so many, it was, you know, we're over exaggerating. I mean, right. I so have, it but. wasn't, it wasn't overly bad this year. Um, and like you said, Mitch was able to uh, fix some of those and who knows, maybe if they run out of the eye a lot more next year, then you could keep Cody there. I just feel like you drafted James Daniels last year at that spot in the second round to be a center of your future. Um, so if you're going to ride that ship, then ride that ship. Um, I don't think he was really the issue there or the setup was the issue. Um, I've talked to a close friend of mine who used to play a lot of offensive line um, all the way up until college. And, you know, I've had him run back tape too. And he goes, he goes, really the deficiency isn't between the two of them. It's just that, um, you know, Mitch is a little more accustomed to Cody and Cody calls out the plays a little bit. So that's where James Daniel needs to learn more, I guess, would be recognizing things and calling stuff. But at the same time, I just think that you, like Brandon said, you've got to ride into training camp, knowing who's that spot. That doesn't mean that you say Cody Whitehair is the guy and then say Cody Whitehair goes down. It doesn't mean you can't go to James Daniels there. It's just that if you're going to solidify one player as the center, make sure that's what you're going to ride with. Don't switch. Don't flip flop. Don't do anything goofy like that. They just got to pick it and go. I hate to play devil devil's advocate, but yeah, they drafted James Daniels to play center and be the center of the future. But if he's not performing up to par, then why wouldn't, you know, why wouldn't you say the same thing for Mitchell Trubisky or Adam Shaheen? No, they were drafted to play wide tight end and quarterback. Why wouldn't you switch? You know what I mean? I just a little bit of consistency here, Aaron. No, that's what, no, and that's what I'm, but that's what I'm saying. If he's not the guy, if you realize he's not the guy, you know, I, that's what I'm saying. I like the timeline that Brandon's saying, like, I would like to know going into training camp, if he's not the guy, then he's not the guy. Like if you don't think after how many games did he relatively actually play at center this year? It was like half the season. Wasn't it almost, it was eight games. Exactly. Yeah. So if you realize, okay, he's struggling to learn um, reading the field a little bit and calling out things for Mitch, then he's not the guy he cannot handle the play call or not the play calling, but he cannot handle recognizing things um, in the, on the NFL level at center. I just hope that they actually truly um, evaluate this because obviously they said they were going to evaluate their coaches. Um, and then we saw an hour later, they fired four of them, but if you really, they really need to evaluate it and I'm fine with it. He's, I still think he's a, you know, second round, you know, guard. If you go back to it as well. And they better figure it out before it's time that the Brinks truck gets backed up to his house too, because we have one of the most overpaid offensive lines in all of football. Well, yeah. And realistically the guy fucking, I believe, I think he's actually only going to be 22, Brandon. I know you said 23 or 24, but he went back to school after a full season in the NFL and graduated with a fucking biology degree like a year early. So 
he should be smart enough to decipher this. And we don't know exactly what's going on inside the offensive line room. We don't know exactly what's going on with the team. And it is a shared distribution of, of blame. You know what I mean? Whether it comes to the offensive line and Mitch and there's times where the offensive line gives him no time. There's times where he doesn't step up in the pocket. Like it's, it's a collective effort and we all know this. Um, but Ethan, what, what are your thoughts on all this? I just think that it basically, we just described the reasons that he stand was fired. I get that it's the scapegoat logic, but the offensive line was not good. And when your position is not good, things happen. And I think, like I said, I agree with the scapegoat comment from Aaron, but we basically just discussed why Harry Houston was fired. And you know what? I can, I can understand that on his part. I do understand that for Harry. Um, the only thing I wanted to bring up really quick guys, cause I just pulled this up is that uh, James Daniel is still 22 years old and will be 22 up until September 13th, which I will believe, um, I believe the season starts a couple days before that. So before the 2020 season kicks off, uh, he'll still be 22. So you're talking only 23 by the time that season ends. So very young player. And that'll be his third season. So honestly, we're splitting hairs here, but I do believe right now, the two most talented people, obviously we're, we're barring a, a healthy Kyle long, but the two best offensive linemen on the team right now are Cody Whitehair and James Daniels. So those are the only two worthy of being paid. Cody Whitehair got his contract and it's not like he was paid. He's overpaid for a guard or I'm sorry. He's overpaid for a center, but he's not overpaid for a guard. So realistically, I like the money that they put on white hair. Um, and I think James Daniels will continue to progress. And I think he will be the center starting in 20, uh, ooh, 2020 now happy new year, everybody. Um, but yeah, man, now next I'm going to play a quick part because obviously it was so QB centered and everyone's worried that Mitchell Trubisky is going to be the starter and like, Oh my God, are we going to have the same quarterback room? This and that. I, and he made it very apparent that that's not what's going to happen. So here, give, give it a listen. When you got here five years ago, forgive me, I'm not going to get the quote right there again. Independent of Mitch, you talked about ideally drafting a quarterback every year. And now five years later, Mitch is the only one. Did something change about that philosophy or, or why is that? Uh, I think, you know, you know, as you know, in the draft, you're always, you're, you're, you have philosophies, but you're also taking best player available and you don't want to deviate from that. And to be honest, when we got here, we had so many needs. You know, there's so many holes to fill throughout the roster. Um, you're doing whatever you can to fill those holes, you know. And so sometimes when you look at the draft board, wherever it is, and you've got more talented players on the board that are also hitting major positions and needs and major holes on this offense, it just doesn't, doesn't always line up. But I do think that drafting a quarterback, developing quarterbacks, that's important for the franchise. I mean, for, for a lot of different reasons, you've seen teams do that to their advantage to flip them for draft picks. So it's something we talk about. It just hasn't been something that's lined up in recent drafts. doesn't mean that's something that we still don't believe in. It's something that can, can happen. It just hasn't happened in recent drafts. All right. So, Aaron, I see you shaking your head. Why don't you go ahead and kick this off? Come in hot for us. This is the, uh, the part that sets me off. Um, possessions of need and best player available. I take you back to 2018 and I could break it down off the quick hip here. David Montgomery, Riley Ridley, Duke Shelley. And then did it go to Kareth white and then Steven Denmark? Um, can anyone else tell me, um, where the hell an offensive line player was or, a quarterback or anything else. Cause I'm be honest with you. Uh, that might be his worst draft yet. There is absolutely no reason to take care of white in the sixth round when you already had a room filled with Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery and Mike Davis. Um, I, I don't know what their ultimate plan here is with the Steven Denmark signing or, or drafting in the seventh round. I know he was a converted wide receiver played safety. His last year in college. So that to me is a purely, purely, um, you know, uh, developmental aspect of it. Are you, I mean, are you hoping he plays? They just, they just next resigned year? him to a futures contract. Oh, good. That's great. I can't wait. So you, yeah. You, so yeah. he's basically not going to play. Right. So, but that's my concern. And so you take him when you could take a, a flyer on an offensive lineman, I, I will bar you the fact that no pun intended on the bar aspect of it. You did sign one in, you know, the undrafted section of the draft in Alex bars um, who 
could end up being a solid player. I don't know. You know, we don't know. He barely has played at all. Was very um, good at Notre Dame. It, we yes, we got the whole I Notre sec- Dame. I second guys. that. And we're getting he stand back in South Bend. That's great. Um, so when it comes to it, though, for me, this this last draft was just kind of like a swift kick in the nuts, because you know, don't get me wrong. I think Riley Ridley. That's another one I look at. Riley Ridley. Uh, looked Crispin in his massive six catches this season, but why did you draft him in the fourth round if you're not going to really use him? So you're stashing him for next year and you wasted a first year on him. Um, yeah, that's my concern. You you get all these players and you're wasting time um, when you aren't going for what you truly need. You walked into that draft with several, several needs. And guys, other than David Montgomery, I guarantee you, uh, Duke Shelley. I know Duke Shelley barely played. Um, Riley Ridley barely played. And same goes for well, Kareth White because he got signed by Pittsburgh. But so <laughs> that draft is a wash. Am I wrong? Um, all right. So I'm going to disagree with you here because you made a couple points. First, first off, you said it was a 2018 draft. It was a 2019 draft. Sorry, 2019. Yeah, you're good. I see you slamming your Mountain Dew, so it gets you jittery, (laughs) but, um, realistically, (laughs) (laughs) but realistically, my man. Um, so what he said there is we, we have a philosophy and it's his philosophy has never been. If you listen to every single Ryan Pace interview or best draft player available, best player available. And that's what I he believed it. with Riley Ridley, my man. No, no, just give me but, a second because I do. I think what you're getting at is they needed running backs and you're like, well, why did they get Kareth white after they got David Montgomery and signed Mike Davis? It's because they completely overhauled the entire room. And if you look at what he, what pace has done from 2015 through 2019, all five drafts, you could tell that there were certain things targeted and he just completely overhauls the room, whether it's with, um, free agent signings or, or, and combines it with draft picks. So my thought is they're doing that this year with quarterbacks and tight ends. The only thing, and I have to disagree with you because there wasn't needs all over the team. Our starters were pretty much set. We didn't know what was going to happen with Trey Burton. That was the one question mark going into the season is like, man, we're not shirt up at tight end. Every other position I thought that they were pretty shirt up in. Well, and, and that's fine. I mean, I think that's why, you know, in, in my eyes, I still think you could have went um, and grabbed another tight end and, or it's, it, there's never, there's never a shortage of offensive linemen. So I think you still had to go after that. Other than that, you were fine. I, I was cool with everything else. My, my personal opinion when it comes to Riley Ridley was that it was a pure stashing move. That was this kid could be good. We're going to grab him in the fourth. I knew he was going to be number six on the depth chart from day one, but when it came to it, I figured this was a stashing move for 2020 after they cut Taylor Gabriel. That's my pure, honest opinion is when Taylor Gabriel has gone, this kid can slide into that spot. Or if there were health concerns with Miller during the season, it, it was whatever. But I think that's where he slides in after this year, you know, and that's well, I, fine. But, I don't mean to cut you off, but I agree with you entirely when you're saying that, but isn't that what good organizations do? They stack Absolutely. their depth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm going to, I see Brandon turning his mic off. So I, I want him to, to come on in a second, but go ahead, finish your point. The, the only other thing I have an issue with is, is the reason I'm upset about Kareth white is I get overhauling and, and stashing and, and building your, your rooms. But if your entire opinion was to stash and build him, um, you know, or, or bring him along eventually, then why did you let him go? There was, uh, that's why I say it's a wasted pick. I mean, it, it, that, uh, that was definitely a wasted pick, but it wasn't a pick of with a lack of talent. That was obviously someone else found value in him and they just didn't have room for him on the roster at that point. I don't like the fact that they didn't put, put him on the roster. Um, and I also just want to touch base too on Alex bars. As you mentioned, yep. he, he stand was a big part of him staying with us. He could have went to the Patriots and been a part of their active roster, but he decided to sign a contract with the Chicago Bears. So I don't know moving forward what his contract is, if you want to look that up. But I think realistically, we kind of got lucky with the fact that we signed him to the active roster um, and did the whole shebang and gave him the veteran minimum instead of giving him a practice squad, um, uh, practice squad salary. But go ahead, Ethan. Oh, they signed him to to a futures one too. Yeah. Absolutely. And Brandon, I saw you were uh, unmuting your mic, but so go ahead. Yeah. And he also was very, uh, you know, 
he touched on how he's willing to make moves again this draft. So expect moves to be made. And I mean, I touched on it in my article as well as this is going to be another draft of Ryan Pace chasing his quintessential guy at each position. And we need to just go into the draft, you know, knock them dead. We need to get good quality players that can come in and contribute right away. I do agree with the, you know, drafting players and being able to stash them. Uh, and we touched on it, you know, in the first episode of this podcast at the beginning of the season, me, you, and Comiskey, Aaron, that, you know, we did like Riley Ridley. He's a very good route runner, thought he was very talented, just didn't know where he fit on this roster. And, you know, with the usage of him towards the end of the season, it's very reminiscent of how we saw Javon Wims used at the end of last season and in last season's preseason. So I think that, yeah, it, it is, you know, Taylor Gabriel eventually his days in Chicago will be over. He has been, in my opinion, you know, this, you know, he's been injured, but when playing, he is a threat to take to the house anytime he gets his hands on the ball. But it just, you know, it's, it's, it's going to sound like we're beating a dead drum, but it's like this entire Chicago Bears season, like they said in the press conference was a season of regression and inconsistency. It was across the board. It wasn't just Mitch. It wasn't Ryan Pace. It wasn't Matt Nagy. It was, a team effort. And while there are players that shine, you know, you know, off the top of my head, Kwiatkowski, uh, people that stepped up like Nick Williams and stuff like that, where yes, those guys deserve a pat on the back. And one thing we haven't talked about too, is how Roy Robertson Harris will probably be reeled away from us and he'll get real money and start on another team. This off season is of the utmost importance. Uh, our window is getting very close, you know, very close to being slammed shut on us. So we need to make the best with the team that we have, make some additions, some subtractions. Ethan and I are both of the same mindset where, look, we went 12 and four with basically the same roster last year. Shit just went wrong this year. And that happens in the NFL. I mean, you talk about it every year where there are, I don't have the number right in front of me, but just off the top of my head in the NFC, the bears aren't in the playoffs. The Cowboys aren't in the playoffs. I know in the AFC, the chargers and certain other teams that were in it last year. Aren't in it. And the Rams as well, you know, yeah, and the Rams, Rams. Oh, Rams were dad, a fucking you, powerhouse last you better, year. You better edit that out or my dad's going to unown me. Cause he is the huge, the biggest Rams fan, but I, 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 it just, it's tough. And last year, again, outlier year, we never expected it. I thought we were going to be competitive last year, but no way in hell did I think 12 and four was going to happen. And that's the beauty of sports. It's, you know, every year you get excited for new opportunities, new players, stuff of that nature, more podcasts, more episodes, more content, all that shit. And I'm happy to be sitting here talking football with you guys getting ready for this next season. And I hope the bears are just as excited as we are. Yeah, absolutely, Brandon. And um, it's funny because we've been doing this together for a little while. Um, so I feel like we're so fucking in sync right now. It's like your dick is my dick and my dick is your dick. And we probably have <laughs> we're probably Eskimo brothers down the line. Can light. you go take a piss from here? <laughs> I, I got to go real bad, too, man. Don't worry. We don't have too much longer. Um, but it's funny you said that about Pace making his moves to do what he wants. And there was a joke kind of. Well, it wasn't really a joke, but. Uh, Pace and Nagy took it as a joke, so I want to play you one last clip because I thought it was really funny. You've had a tendency to want to move up, and, and, and then you, that's how you lose the quantity. Yeah, it just depends on what's there, and, and, uh, <laughs> and we'll, we'll see. So, obviously, um, that was Ryan Pace, um, or someone was asking Ryan Pace, like he was talking about before, you loving having two second round picks and that quantity of draft picks this year and how it's going to be a lot better. And then someone's just kind of like, well, you always trade up. So what does quantity do when you fucking give away picks? But I just thought it was really funny. And um, I just wanted to get your guys' opinion overall, just on his, his aggressiveness in, his, in the draft and his willingness to give up picks. I got to go first on this one. That strategy only works in Madden, Ryan Pace. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, it only works in Madden. Unless you know that the guy that you're getting is a lock, do not trade for him. I've said this before on this podcast. Still remains to be seen for guys like Anthony Miller and David Montgomery who still have time to flourish in this offense. But we're going to circle back to the Mitch wagon until Mitch either proves us all wrong and Ethan laughs and stomps on all of our graves. But as long as we win a Super Bowl, I'm okay with that. But yes, best player available. They need to leave no stone unturned. There needs to be no interviews turned down. You talk to every player that you possibly can. You get to every single game. You know, the college season is basically over. 
send whoever we got to the East West Shrine Bowl, the you know the Senior Bowl, all that stuff. Make sure that you know that you're bringing not only a quality football player into this organization, but a quality human being because we do not need any uh, distractions because that's one thing that this team for the most part has stayed away from his distractions, you know, basically since the Martellus Bennett days. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing I think you could credit Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy for, to be honest, John Fox was kind of the first one to start it, but um, the culture did change. You didn't see as things were buckling, you know, people have talked about this. You didn't see the team quit. You didn't see a lot of ton of distractions, um, but go ahead because I, I know you call out Ethan. I'm not, Ethan's not the only one that likes Mitchell Trubisky. I want to see him do well just right now. In my opinion, the jury's still out. A lot of people have already written him off. My opinion is you give him one more year to evaluate him. And then that's when you make some critical decisions. But as I was saying, you draft a player, you go ahead and get someone in free agency and just try to make things work. So Ethan, what do you got to say? I just hope that uh, Ryan Pace and the guys that he's talking to around the league apparently uh, give him the right advice with the draft this year because I agree with uh, with Brandon. That's not the uh, the best option strategy with two second round picks. I feel like isn't the right move. I feel like those those second, third, fourth round you guys they really need to spend time watching tape on these guys because that's where I feel you find your your hidden gems. Well, absolutely. And that's one thing. I mean, Ryan Pace has kind of missed at the top of the draft on a few players, but he's definitely hit his hit rate in the middle of the draft. And not even talking about just like your Eddie Jackson's or Tariq Cohen's. I'm talking your overall solid players like Nick Kwiatkowski was a fourth rounder. Um, Jordan Howard was a fifth rounder who uh, essentially is going to be a big part of us. Um, getting an extra draft pick. You know what I mean? Even though he didn't fit the system, we're going to, I think that that sixth round pick is going to turn into a fifth rounder because of his production this year and how much he played, but that still remains to be unseen. Um, Aaron, what do you got for this? You know, and I just wanted to touch on that all, you know, I, I don't mind the best player. I, I do want to say that I don't mind the best player aspect of it. I just think that, um, Especially in a year like this year, I can't remember. Is it seven total draft picks we have, or do we have more than that? No, there's seven. There's seven. So I, I think with the quality you or the the quantity you have this year, you need to either stay where you are uh, and, and draft what you truly need. I I get the best player available situation. I do, unless you can move players, but you also need to get what you truly need, especially this year. Um, and I, you know, you brought up a good point, Lucas, with the prior years is, and that's why I personally don't um, have any hatred for Ryan Pace, because I truly believe as a GM, yes, has he made some boneheaded calls? Yeah. But I feel like from, and you said it perfectly is look at this roster before he got here. Your number one wide receiver was a converted quarterback in Cameron Meredith for crying out loud. Um, and, and, you know, he's overhauled this roster 2018 was a draft where he could go and get players that, you know, you, you wanted to try and attack and get better players and kind of like a new England does this on a yearly basis where they rarely have a first round pick and yet they always find some talent and they always fill their voids. And, you know, that's where you become a great GM is filling your voids where you need. I just think that this is a year with the amount of picks you have where I think you can really hit on that. If there is a player that you can move up and get that, you know, is a lock that you really, you know, you think you can hit on it, then yeah, go right ahead and do it. Um, I don't think I, I personally don't have an issue with it as much as I know other people do. Um, but I think this is a very capable year for him to hit on even more, uh, you know, draft picks, you know, in general. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, other than actually they're going to have eight. They're going yeah, to have picks. eight with the contemporary now that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. In the um, fourth, but realistically is, is that see that still remains to be seen because they haven't given out the contemporary picks, but it's supposedly going to be a fourth round pick. We'll see. It could end up being a fifth round pick, but uh, I think we're all in agreement here. If you're going to trade up in the draft, it has to be for a starter. Um, the only reason why the new England Patriots rarely pick in the first round, other than when they have Spygate and they get their shit taken away <laughs> from them um, is because they trade down so much and they find value in those late picks. And I love the idea of trading down as well. Um, Absolutely agree with you, Lucas, you know, you get as more, more picks as you can. Cause you, 
you're not going to hit on, if you're doing well, you're hitting on 50% of your draft picks. So if you got 50% of 10 picks versus 50% of four, you know what I mean? You got five players instead of two. So, um, it's funny, you know, it, it, it's kind of coming to a close here, but is there anything? Cause I, I'm sorry. The one thing I can't get off my mind is the fact that we're talking about mid round picks. And I mentioned Nick Wachowski and Brandon also touched on Nick Wachowski playing really well. And Nick Williams and them definitely getting, t- um, squeezing talent out of some of these guys that maybe we thought had deficiencies or, or whatnot. But realistically, my biggest fear is we have three uh, middle linebackers that are up for contract, Nick Wachowski, Danny Trevathan and Kevin Pierre Lewis. And my fear is we'll probably sign one of the three, but one of the other two, they're going to go to green Bay. That's my biggest fear because you saw it uh, two years ago with Kyle Fuller, when they signed his transition tag seat, then they went and signed Adrian Amos. They do not have the best middle linebackers and the best thing for them would be to go get Nick Wachowski. And that's why I'd rather them sign Kwiatkowski out of anyone. Cause I feel like he has the most upside at this point in his career. I love Danny Trevathan. He's one of my favorite players on the bears since he signed here, but I, I truly fear Nick Wachowski going to the green Bay Packers. Yeah. And one thing that I want to say too, is super bowls are not one in the first and second round of the draft. Super Bowls are won in the middle rounds of the draft. And for everyone who thinks I'm smoking crack, check the stats, check the numbers. There are more middle round draft picks. And obviously you're going to get numbers because there's more people drafted in that chunk of the draft that are in the NFL right now than first and second round draft picks. And at that time, whether it's Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, your scout or your GM has, you know, foreseen that guy as a lock, whether he goes in the first or second round. So being able to hit on those picks is of the utmost importance. And, you know, hopefully we can, we can make something work because we don't got nothing in the first round and we know we don't, we don't pick until 43rd and follow up shortly after a 50. So. And no third. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. It's no third. You got two seconds, uh, fourth. I believe that there's, two fifths could be three. If the sixth rounder from Philadelphia for Jordan Howard turns into a fifth and then you have a seventh rounder. Well, it's not going to running back with that seventh rounder. That's going to contribute for someone late in the season. Like we did last year. <laughs> or you six, know, sixth rounder. I'm sorry. So the one thing I wanted to say that you brought up there, Lucas, with the middle linebackers is I'm going to put my honest opinion out there. I think it ends up being Danny Trevathan. It needs to be. I just think that the, the price tag will be there for, for DT instead of Kwiatkowski, not saying, I mean, Kwiatkowski's obviously improved, but I just think that unfortunately uh, it's going to be too high of, of a price tag for now, but who knows? We'll, we'll, uh, we'll have to see what happens. It'll be an interesting time. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I guess they could always use that um, handy dandy franchise tag, but we'll see Highly doubt that. Happens. Yeah, we'll see. Um, Ethan, Brandon, Aaron, in that order, do you guys uh, have any closing thoughts for the podcast? I just think that eight and eight, uh, we made it a lot worse than it seems to be. Obviously you regressed from 12 and four, but, uh, you know what, that season's behind us. So we're already on the next year. Uh, Brandon and I love to say it one week at a time. We're past week 17. We're not in the playoffs. So week one next year is our focus right now. Uh, the only thing I have left to say is that this can be a very, very interesting off season. I'm excited. Still the biggest thing I'm excited for to see is what direction they go for offensive coordinator. And then uh, just to see what happens with this draft. Cause like you said, don't know what round that, you know, uh, draft pick will be in that they get for the compensation. But uh, this is the first time in a very long time that the bears actually get one. So should be uh, very interesting. And I hope, that, as you said as well, Lucas, hopefully maybe they trade down, you know, I'm not opposed to trading down uh, out of one of those second rounds to get maybe, an, you know, a couple additional picks if you need to, if the player's not there that you want. Yeah. And for me, it's, it's uh, put your seatbelts on bears fans. It's going to be a wild off season. And, you know, some that Lucas and I have touched on is the Chicago media is reckless and ruthless. And that's part of the reason why uh, this season is a little bit magnified, I guess you would say, but Again, similar roster, just got to figure it the fuck out and bear down. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I always bear down, obviously. But as much as you guys might get upset with Ethan's comment about, yes, we were eight and eight and, you know, it's not as bad as it seems. 
trust me, I'm just as disappointed. All four of us are just as disappointed, just as disappointed as you guys are. But I think Ryan Pace said it really well. The core is still intact. Those players are still there. We still have a lot of talent on this roster. All that needs to be done is some fine tuning people understanding where they need to be on the field. You know, all this bullshit with the timing routes, everything being said and done, um, hoping some of these guys develop in, in the way that they're supposed to, you know, cause we saw Roquan Smith really trend trending upward after that whole personal issue thing. So, you know, the core is intact. And, uh, I do think that the, that by the end, by this time next year, we're going to be having a much different discussion. I hope so. <laughs> Me too. I Brandon. certainly, I certainly hope so. But I mean, it's it's going to be one in off season for the ages. Obviously, we don't really have the cash to make any splash moves. But one of the things that pace has been good over the years is these value moves. And I expect a plethora of them. Absolutely, guys. Well, that about does it for the show. Um, and as always, bear down and make sure to crack them because it's going to be a long off season. Thank you guys again for tuning into the show. I'm your host, Lucas Perfetti. You can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at LucasPerfetti46. On behalf of myself and everyone from ONTAP Sportsnet, we truly appreciate your continued support and those newcomers that are coming along. We appreciate you guys. Go ahead, tell a friend, tell your mom, tell anybody about it. I mean, we cover everything from Bears to Bulls to Blackhawks to Cubs to Sox. You name it! Even a little bit of Notre Dame, NIU, fantasy football, beers, Everything, baby. So go ahead, check out our website. We got a ton of content coming out for baseball season. I myself am going to be making sure to put this content out for bear season. We're not going to try to speculate too much. We're just going to make educated and informed speculations, maybe. You know what I mean? A little bit, a little bit of dabbling here and there. Also, if you like what you heard, go ahead and follow my guys on Twitter. You had the extremely positive, a little bit more soft spoken and matter of fact one, Ethan. You're going to follow him at Ethan underscore W-I-L-E-S-10. You got the Cuban sensation, the man, B-Don 300, Brandon Suarez. And last but not least, you got the man all jacked up on Mountain Dew Code Red, Aaron. Follow him at Premier AMP. Thank you guys again and bear down.